Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. I'm your host, Shane Bacon. This week's PGA Championship Preview Podcast with David Duvall is brought to you, of course, by Ogio. My summer has been full of travel, and Ogio just sent me a Clubhouse-themed mutant travel bag for my sticks. And let me tell you, the thing is nice. Huge space for your clubs, shoes, a few extra jackets if you need them inside, plus two outside pockets for whatever else you might need to bring, extra chrome softballs, a pair of running shoes, another pair of golf shoes if you're a little fancy like that. The Mutant is good looking, rolls with ease, fits everything you need safely and efficiently. And oh, by the way, good news, we now have a discount code from all OGO products. Just use The Clubhouse, The Clubhouse, no spaces at checkout, and you'll save, get this, 20%. Oh yeah, 20%, that's a steal. Use The Clubhouse with no spaces when you check out at OGO.com, and you'll save some dough if you travel with your golf clubs Get thyself a mutant travel bag. Save 20% thanks to the fine folks at Ogio. And we have a fun one this week. 13-time PGA Tour winner and now Golf Channel analyst David Duvall stopped by to chat about the PGA Championship and some players that he thinks have a great chance to win, players that he thinks needs to win, players that he sees himself in. Maybe a surprise answer there. Also talked to Little Tiger, talked about his 59, and, uh, and of course, those great, great 1999 Ryder Cup shirts and how many times he's worn them since. But before we get into that, I wanted to just answer a few mailbag questions. Haven't done this in a few months and figured it'd be a good time to do it. And we'll start off, of course, with a question that has nothing to do with the PGA Championship. First one, Drew Nedsinski says, was I impressed with Steph Curry's performance at the Ellie Mae Classic? I mean, the short answer is yes. The long answer is hell yes. Matching 74s it's it's just a different arena. It's a different situation for these guys to go out there and do this and perform with galleries lining the sides of the fairways, knowing an errant golf shot could mean you hit somebody. A really bad golf shot could mean you really hit somebody. I mean, you know, these guys spray the golf ball. I mean, a single-digit handicap is not a scratch golfer, and he's not a professional athlete. To go out there and shoot 74-74, I don't care if it's a pitch and putt. I don't care if it was a 5,800-yard golf course. That's, those are those are impressive scores. I, I'll tell a story. My first mini tour event I ever played in, uh, my dad flew out. I was so nervous. I barely slept at all the night before. I was standing on the 15th hole, and I remember I looked over at my dad. They were, we were playing foursomes, and I looked over at my dad, and I said, I'm the only guy in the group that's made a bogey. The other three guys hadn't even made a bogey yet, and I'm out there just trying not to embarrass myself. It is a lot of pressure. It is a different feeling. You're standing on those tees knowing every shot matters. Anything loose, you could lose it out of bounds, a big number, and you're doomed, especially in many tour events. As low as you have to go at, at, a, at an event like the Ellie Mae where you're seeing low scores year after year after year, he has to know that, I mean, you've got to go out there and not only play well, but you've got to produce so you don't embarrass yourself, you don't finish dead last. Those are the types of things he's doing. There's a lot of don'ts. I mean, this is an athlete that his entire life, he's been playing something at a peak elite level, and he's going into an event knowing He's probably the favorite to finish last. And so to go out there and do that, I was incredibly impressed. I hope he does it again, maybe in a couple of years. I mean, I don't, I don't want him to continue to take up spots, as you see a lot of people on Twitter say. But every couple of years, I think he's earned the right to do that now, especially with the way he played. So impressive stuff from Steph. Brad for Hughes asked, move to May for PGA, really going to make a difference? Just least prestigious major, someone has to be last. Well, I don't really agree with that. I think the move was smart. Since the FedEx Cup playoffs have started to take shape, the summer has just felt rushed, not just for me, I think, but for golf fans and for players. 
And I think it all peaks last year with the Olympics being tossed in as well. People were playing nonstop golf throughout most of the summer. So I like the move. I mean, think about it. Weather's going to be better in a lot of the country. You're hearing a lot of that. It's going to feel a little less rushed at the end of the season. And you have to remember the break between the Masters and the U.S. Open is normally more than two months. So we then squeeze three majors in a span that's less than two months. We have a big break between the first major of the season and the U.S. Open, and then bam, you go U.S. Open, British Open, PGA, so fast, back to back to back. I like this move. It lets the guy breathe a little bit after the Open Championship, before they get into the playoffs, and I think it'll make the playoffs more fun. Just remember how much fun the FedEx Cup playoffs have been the last couple of years. You know, Rory last year against Ryan Moore. I mean, it was one of the most fun events we watched all season long. To let those sit alone by themselves and not feel like it's just running right into it after the PGA Championship, I'm a fan of. I'm really glad they did this. Another question about the PGA Championship. Matthew Essick says, if the PGA Championship wants a unique identity, why not go back to match play? I mean, you know, I've been preaching the same thing for years, Matthew. I would love to see it. This event was match play from 1916 to 1957. But... The issue here, of course, is the format can lend itself to uninspiring finals. I mean, I think about Sean McKeel versus Chad Campbell. No knock to those guys. Sean McKeel already got mad at me earlier this week on Twitter. But those two guys playing in a final match, a championship match of the PGA Championship is going to be bad for the networks. It's bad for the PGA of America. I mean, I would watch it. You would watch it if you're listening to this podcast. But for the most part, I think sports fans aren't going to tune in. But I will look at this positively. Let me just lay this out. I was looking over this. You take the top two players after 54 holes, and of course, that's stroke play, not match play, but just go with me here. If you look back historically, in 99, we'd get Mike Weir versus Tiger. That would have been a lot of fun. Mike Weir was a great player back then. In 2001, it would have been David Toms versus Phil Mickelson. Phil, of course, going for his first major championship at the time. In 2010, we would have got Nick Watney going up either against Dustin Johnson or Rory, who were tied for second after 54 holes. That's fun. I'm in on that. The only bummer one that I really looked over was 2014. When you think about the 2014 PGA Championship, it was Rory versus a host of big names. But a lot of people forget the guy in the final group was Bernd Wiesberger, who I think he shot 83. So that would have been your finals, which of course wouldn't have been nearly as sexy as Rory versus Ricky or versus Phil or even Sergio. So... You get some good ones, you would have gotten some bummer ones. We would have gotten Jason Day versus Jordan Spieth in 2015, though, which would have been awesome considering Spieth was going for major number three. So there are some fun ones out there to look at. I would love to see it go back to match play, but it's just not going to. It's never going to go back. There is too much fear. There's too much fear of no names making it through, which could easily happen. We see it every year at the Dell. You get upsets galore. So it would be fun. It would be nice if it went back to its roots, but it's just not going to do it. Let's just praise the fact that they went back to May. I think it's going to be really smart to do it. Adam Cook asks, if I think Hideki has a chance this week, you know, the guy that just went tie for second at the U.S. Open, tie for 14th at the Open Championship, and just shot that final round 61 to steal the Bridgestone, you know, I think the guy's got an outside chance to win. I was looking at some of Hideki's numbers just to see how he's done in the majors because it is a little underrated how impressive he has been in the major championships, he has eight top 18 finishes in the last 11 majors. So basically since back to the 2015 Masters, eight top 18 finishes. That's the same number as Jordan Spieth, and that is more than Rory, who has seven, and Dustin Johnson, who has six. So Matsuyama has been consistently finishing in the top 18 in these major championships, and he's on the cusp of doing it. I would be surprised if we don't at least see him in the hunt again this week. Bill says, I can never get excited 
for the PGA Championship like I do. The other three majors, help me, Shane, can they make changes? Okay, let me help. First, I think it's important to remind yourself that if you can't get excited for these four days, you probably won't be excited about golf until April. That's basically, that's, that's eight months you have to go before you're fired up again about a big event. So take this for what it is. Even if it's not your favorite event or your favorite major championship, just remember, this is the last historically big event of each season until 2019, of course, when they change it to May. Second, if you look over the last 18 years, this is historically the most fun major championship each year. We've had Tiger against Sergio at Medina. We had Phil versus David Toms. The Keegan Bradley versus Jason Duffner event back and forth was actually a lot more fun than people remember. 2014 was almost exhausting in the sense of how much fun it was. I was talking about it a minute ago, but you had Rory, you had Ricky, you had Phil, you had the darkness, you had the controversy on the 72nd hole about playing up or not. You had Day outplaying Spieth during a career season that almost lent himself to basically a grand slam in that season. Jason Day had to hold him off in that final round. And then you think back to last year, not the most energetic final round, but it was a lot of fun on that 72nd hole when Jason Day makes that eagle putt and he stares down the fairway and Jimmy Walker has to make a five. So I would just remind yourself, Bill, do this for me. You have to get excited about it because there's no more majors for eight months. And it normally gives us something fairly exciting if you look back over the last 18 to 20 years. Matt asks, what's your take on Phil, speaking of Phil, this week? No missed cuts at PGA this century. Tie for fourth, tie for fourth, tie for 11th, third, and his last four starts at Quail Hollow. Okay, well, I'm leading this into something else. I wrote a top five list of players I believe need this PGA championship the most. And I'll start with number five, Hideki. He's playing well. He has to think he's one of the favorites this week, but if he doesn't win the PGA Championship, I don't think it's going to be the end of the world for him. I think he'll just roll into next year knowing that he's got four more chances at majors and he's 25 years old. Number four is Ricky Fowler. He makes the list because he has to answer the when is this going to happen questions the most of anyone. He had shots at both the Masters and the U.S. Open this year. He was one shot back going into the final round at Augusta, two shots back going into that final round at Aaron Hills, and he failed to break par in either final rounds. I just think that He's the guy that gets the most when are you going to win a major question. So important for Ricky just to get that out of the way. Number three is Phil. And I'm just putting Phil here because of two things. One, I think the PGA is his second best shot at a major every year after the Masters. And two, the guy's not getting any younger. I mean, you've heard the stats earlier from, from Matt. I mean, he said he's had four or three top fours in his last four starts at Quill Hollow. But he's also aging, and he hasn't won in a long, long time back to that 2013 Open Championship. So I just think... Father Time is is eyeing down on Phil Mickelson, and he knows it, but he's played solid golf this year, and I think he knows he has a chance if he can put four rounds together to get himself in contention and possibly win another Wanamaker. So Phil is number three. Number two is Dustin Johnson. He went into the Masters with three straight wins, and I think most golf experts, I'm sure you could find tweets that I wrote, that weren't, will he win a major in 2017? They were thinking, how many major championships is he going to win? He finally got the U.S. Open at Oakmont. He played incredible golf up until the Masters with those three victories in a row. And if you just look back at where he was winning in different golf courses and the sky was the limit, blah, 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 blah. And he hadn't won a major this year. And it's been crazy, really, really surprising not to have one. And really, not really scare one. That's, I think, maybe the most surprising part 
of the Dustin Johnson season, of course, not playing in the Masters, but not really getting in contention at any major has been weird. So I think there's pressure on Dustin to just do it for himself more than anything else. And then number one, you probably guessed this was going to be Rory McIlroy. I mean, if he can't get it done on a golf course that he shot 61 and 62 on and has two victories, where will he get it done at? I mean, it's been going to be three years since his last major win if he doesn't win this week at Quell Hollow. So I think the most pressure, he has the most pressure on him right now. Jordan doesn't need to win another major to really validate a great season. Again, he's probably going to be PGA Tour Player of the Year in Jordan Spieth. Jason Day's just had one of those years where I think he's fallen off the radar a bit. Hideki, Ricky, those guys would love to win a major championship. But Rory is the face next to Jordan Spieth of this generation and really this generation's best player. And it's been a long time since he was leaving a major championship with a trophy. So I think the most pressure is on Rory. Appreciate everybody that sent in the questions. A reminder to check out Ogio and that discount code, The Clubhouse. It'll save you 20%. And enough of me. Let's get to David Duvall. And we now welcome into the clubhouse 13-time PGA Tour champion, including, of course, that 2001 Open Championship, David Duvall, now turned TV personality. David, did you ever think you'd be a TV personality? <laughs> I don't know if I'd even call me that. Uh, I, I don't know. I, you know, like most people involved in the game, I have a deep love for it. And you want to be around it and, and a participant in some manner. And, and uh, you know, it's a thrill to be able to do it and watch the greatest players in the game uh, uh, do what they're doing right now. Well, it's PGA Championship week, final major of the year, of course, and so worth starting here. Which player, when you look at this field, which player do you feel like needs this major championship the most? Well, that's a heck of a good question. I, 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 you know, I've never thought of it like that. Uh, who needs it? You know, I would, I would, I would probably list three players. If I had to say, you know, I use the word need it, uh, the phrase need it, I, I'd say that Jason Day really needs to uh, have a good week. Um, I believe Dustin Johnson off of that fall at the, at the Masters at his rental home needs to have a good week. And uh, I, I believe Rory McIlroy needs to have a good week. I'm expecting him to. Well, you know, it's it's been an interesting really last year since Oakmont. I mean, Outside of Jordan Spieth, I mean, kind of the ones you said, the expected type of players, Rory, Dustin, Jason Day, those types of players, you know, they haven't done much in the major championships. And it does seem like we are nearing that point where these guys are kind of thinking, I've got to get it done this week. I do feel like the pressure will land on Rory the most, though. I mean, this is a golf course that's really been, you know, picture perfect for him over his career. And it seems like the type of golf course that he should have some success on. Do you feel like if Rory walks away on Sunday without the Wanamaker Trophy, he's going to start to really think what's going on with my golf game? Well, I don't know if he'll, if he'll start thinking that, but it's hard not to see him having a successful week. Um, he has had tremendous success at Quail Hollow. He's uh, we're also expecting it to be a, a little bit of rain, I think, so a, kind of a softer golf course. We all know that. He has dominated on soft golf courses, uh, and the way he's uh, the way he's playing right now, and especially the way he's swinging at the moment. Uh, you know, I haven't gotten to put it on in slow motion, but the swings I saw uh, of his and, and the display he put on at at Firestone uh, lead me to believe that he's gonna he's gonna do really really well this week. Uh, the one thing I've ever been critical of him and his golf swing, uh, which you know it's hard to be. 
is I believe he tends to drop it a little bit at the top with his driver and kind of get his the handle of the club high and the, and the shaft low and get underneath the plane. And, and it looked like he was spot on last week. And when he does that, he puts on a tremendous display like he did last week. Well, for you personally, what was different, if you can think back to 2001, what was different for you around that open week? I mean, you know, you'd played in major championships, you'd had a lot of success in majors before, but did something click differently that week as you entered the 2001 Open Championship and you eventually went on to win? Well, I, I think as much as anything, and I've said this, uh, maybe not quite this, this way, but yeah, I always hit the golf ball as good as anybody. And I drove it incredibly well. I was really good from short uh, on short putts, and those were the things I counted on. And going into that week, I don't think I was hitting it quite as well as I may have wanted. And so I, I kind of focused. I got away from how I was hitting and playing simply into scoring. And I paid attention to the four to eight and ten footers. I practiced uh, on a on a chalk line on the, on the practice green all week. I, I hit the golf balls I hit on the practice ground were just to loosen up. Basically uh, it was, a, I was, I was, I was cutting the ball more than I would normally want to. And, and the wind that week was the left to right the whole time on the, on the practice ground. And so the cuts I was hitting, which is more than I wanted at the time, were getting exaggerated that much more. And, and so I didn't want to see that. And so I didn't spend a whole lot of time. So I just really focused on, on, on shooting good scores as much as anything and kind of in some way got out my own way. Yeah, I mean, it's been 16 years. It seems every single year we in the media hype up majors more and more. And it seems like every time, you know, 2016, 2017, and as we go beyond, these majors become bigger, bigger deals. Is there advice that you would give out to a player like a Ricky Fowler or Hideki Matsuyama, or a Justin Thomas, you know, a, 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 a talented bunch of players, but they're still looking for that major as the pressure continues to build as they look for that first one? You know, it, it's simply going to be a matter of uh, something good happening for them. All those players you mentioned obviously have the ability and, and the heart and the desire to do it. But you just, again, going back to it, you kind of have to get out of your own way. You have to figure out how to stop trying to win you have to just go play golf you have to realize that many times you've you've played well and won many times you've played well and been beaten uh probably a few times you haven't played particularly well and you've won and so the, the tools are all there and it's hard you know heck heck i'm gonna be on a set all week live from you know everything everybody's there the golfing world is there and paying attention and the focus is there but if you can somehow uh, compartmentalize it and break it down into its, 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 its smallest factors is still golf. You're still just trying to shoot a low score, the best score you can, and you add it up at the end of the week. Uh, if, there's, if there's one thing we kind of know with these major championships is it's tough to recover from big numbers. So, you know, if you get into kind of a hairy situation, you know, maybe be a little more conservative than you might in a regular event because, uh, you know, triples and quads and things like that are incredibly difficult to recover from. You mentioned you, your work this week. You'll be doing uh, work for, for live at with uh, with Golf Channel. How much prep do you put into your week going in, knowing that you know once the, the championship begins, it's really going to be focused on which players are playing well, which players are doing what they're doing out on the golf course. What's your prep work like going into a week like this? It's more about 
to me, my approach is like is different from, say, Brandel's um, and, and Frank's. We all have a different approach to it. Mine's more about trying to pay attention to what guys have been doing, how they're playing, how they're swinging the golf club. I also pay attention to. I, I, I put a lot of uh, uh, a lot of weight into body language and uh, and, and uh, facial expressions. Because we'll see a lot of video of them, you know, through the week on the practice ground, uh, on, on the golf course playing practice rounds, and, and so I'm looking. I look for uh, that bit of relaxation you want to see in a player, uh, not not the seriousness and the tenseness. Yes, you want to get your work done, but you need to be out there also enjoying it and laughing. So I pay attention to something like that too. Well, it seems that we have become as obsessed with distance as we've ever been, and you couldn't click on a website this past week without seeing a slideshow or a stat of how many 300-yard drives Rory hit at Firestone. You know, But the most consistent player in the game right now, Jordan Spieth, sits 80th on tour in driving distance. Do we overrate distance at this point? You know what? Distance is always going to be a, a benefit. You know, if, if, if I can hit it 330 yards in the fairway and you hit it 300 yards in the fairway, I have an advantage. You know, there's just no way around that. Uh, you know, go back to the dominant players uh, uh, in the history of the game and you'd be hard pressed to find too many that weren't big hitters um, it's just it is it can be an overriding factor you can you can kind of break down par fives into uh, 30 holes and all of a sudden you're on average picking up two and a half shots a day uh, you know those little things always add up um, but it is imperative especially in the big events to, to get into get it into play you know I, I've always there's so many stats available now that it, it's almost can make your head spin. But I always looked at I always looked at a few stats when I played. Uh, wanted to drive it, you know, as far as I could, obviously, but in the fairway because if you if you do that, it makes it easier to hit the green. And to have success in professional golf, you've got to hit greens. You, you can't just chip and putt. It will not last. You might get through a week with it, but through the course of a year, you won't you won't succeed. So I always felt like you had to hit 13 greens a day. You know, on, uh, you had to average 13 greens a day, and you have to have less than 30 putts a day. And if you do that, you're going to have success, and you're going to shoot good scores. Um, after the first round, I think even after the second round at the U.S. Open, uh, this, this couple months ago at Aaron Hills, if you looked at it, everybody in the top 10 had hit, I think the smallest amount was nine fairways. Everybody had hit at least 13 greens, and every player had under 30 putts. It's a simple formula. And the other one I always kind of paid attention to, and I told my older boys years and years ago, if you want to see how you succeeded through the course of the year, look at how you played the par fours. If you can hover around even par for the year, you've, you've done great. If you can play the par threes around even par, you've done great. And then you got to pick up 120 to 170 shots on the par fives through the course of the year. And those, so those are those things that I pay attention to. I, I, there is obviously to, to analyze your swing and break things down and figure out what you're doing and not doing properly. You can go to, you know, left rough proximity, uh, right rough, uh, things like that, you know. But in general, this game we sometimes lose focus on is, is about shooting scores. And the formula to shoot scores has, has kind of always been the same. Get it in play, knock it on the green, and make a couple putts. We want to think it's a putting contest, and it's not. It never has been. It's a hitting contest in professional golf. You have to putt well, but you don't have to be a great putter to win golf tournaments. You have to hit it good. You cannot if you if, if you 
if you hit 10 greens a day and I'm hitting 14 greens a day, I'm going to beat you. There's just no way around it. As long as I'm a, 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 an adequate, decent putter, I'm going to beat you. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, it almost seems like with the way you're talking that Jordan Spieth is a little bit of an outlier. I mean, we, we don't normally see a quote-unquote superstar produce the way Jordan Spieth does. And again, I mean, it, distance, whatever, what do you want to say about how far he hits it? I mean, he hits the ball better than a lot of people think he does, but he seems like the kind right. of guy that's mentally tougher than everybody else out there, and he can get the ball in the hole at a better clip. So it almost seems like his his formula is a bit different than maybe the historically great players that we've seen over the years. Well, you know what? His his inadequacies, if you want to call it that, I don't know how you <laughs> that doesn't sound right. You know, he struggles a little bit off the tee driving it, you know. But he's one of the best iron players in the game. And we all know from 10 to 25 feet, he's as good as anybody. So his, his kind of little things are sometimes the shorter putts. He struggles a little bit. And he struggles a little bit at times driving the golf ball and getting it into play. But he hits a lot of greens, and, and, and he doesn't make mistakes. And I was, I was actually talking with somebody uh, just uh, yesterday about, about him that, you know, you're seeing a mental player, don't get me wrong, not the same as Tiger, but maybe someone as close to Tiger as we've seen in a long time. Well, it's been pretty impressive to watch Jordan Spieth. Is there a player that you look at on tour right now that you see yourself in a bit? Huh. You know, I, I, I don't think of, I don't think of it and see things that way. Look at the game that way. Um, you know, I, I, I think I, I appreciate the players for for what they do. If I, if you want me to list someone in some ways, I would say Ricky Fowler, because I think that although maybe. He's had some success. He's won some tournaments, but I don't think he's won like he should or is, 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 is capable of. And he hasn't broken through in the major championships. Um, but he's got – I don't think Ricky knows how good he is. I don't think he knows how well he swings the golf club. And, and so that's one of the guys I would say that as far as mentally maybe not realizing it, because that took me, what, close to three years to win on tour. I uh, had a lot of success, high on the money list, but wasn't winning, had good finishes. But I, if there's one player that's similar that way that he's got to kind of get out of his own way and, and realize how good he is, I, I'd say Ricky Fowler. For you, when you were in your prime, which major was more stressful? Was it the Masters, knowing it's the first major of the year and you've been looking forward to it for so many months? Or was it the PGA Championship, knowing it was your last chance to win a major championship for seven or eight months? Well... I, I would maybe say the Masters because it's kind of the, the passage into spring, uh, the entire golf world's together, um, you know. But all, but if anything, the the U.S. Open was incredibly stressful, you know. Um, <laughs> and, and it's just it was so hard. And, and you know, obviously, last two out of the last three years, they've kind of gotten away from what we think of as the U.S. Open, and and uh, uh, at least historically, and so. Those were the ones that you knew going. It was hard to relax, even as well as I drove the golf ball. It was kind of hard to relax because you knew you had to drive it in the fairway. And so, you know, it just creates that little bit of tension, that little bit of doubt. And, uh, and I think that's, to me, why that one was so incredibly hard. You know, one of the interesting things about your career is how it seemed you were the only player – that seemed to be able to match the mental toughness of Tiger when Tiger was in his prime. 
when you were at your best, did right. you feel like I, I I can beat this guy if I if I'm on my game? Did you feel like that was something in internally that you really really believed? I really did. Um, I did think that you know, and, and you know, as as years have have gone on, and, and I certainly wish that you know I hadn't had so many little injuries and problems that kind of. Uh, hurt my golf game and, and, and wreck my swing and my confidence and all those things. Uh, but, you know, when we were kind of battling, I felt like, you know what, if, if I, if I have my best and, and he has his best, I'm going to be able to beat him. I don't know how you'd break it down. Would you break it down to three out of 10 times, three and a half times out of 10? I'm not sure, but I knew I could get him. And, and at least I felt that way. Would, is there? I always like asking guys this, and I, and I always laugh. I, I've talked to you know I, I I'm around Curtis Strange and Paul Azinger a lot for work. I always love asking guys which event keeps him up at night, and it's crazy you know that that golfers still think about stuff that happened 25 and 30 years ago, and it does in fact pop in their head. Is there is there some event that in your head right now you're thinking that one still bugs me that I didn't close it out? Well. I could probably list about six of them, seven of them real quick. <laughs> you can list the 98 through the 2001 Masters um, because I feel like I could have won all of them. Um, I feel like I should have won at least one or two of them. Um, the U.S. Open in 09 at best age, um, most certainly. And really go back to the 06 U.S. Open at Wingfoot. I played incredibly well that week. Uh I think I ended up running about finishing about 15th. Um, but if you know the golf course, uh, the fifth hole, the par five, which is reachable, uh, was you know no more than a three or four iron, and the, and the sixth hole, which was drivable. I don't know exactly. I think I finished, I got beat by five shots, and I played those holes probably somewhere from four to six over for the week, something like that those two holes as opposed to figuring you should play them probably at least a couple under for the week. And so that one is, that one kind of was one I'd list too. Yeah. The, the 09 us open was so interesting because of everybody that was battling to win that. And the, the craziest thing, and I still, I still was confused about it was the tee up on 18 that Sunday. I mean, you guys were hitting these, 50-yard wedge shots to this front hole location. It was impossible to get it within 25 or 30 feet. I kept hoping that, you know, somebody right. would hit about a six iron off the tee to have the full wedge in. But, you know, you wanted to drive it down there. I mean, it was so wet and soggy. But it was just such a such a unique closing hole for a U.S. Open, knowing that it was like a flip wedge that nobody could really get that close. It was. And, and the, I think I countered the distance by putting the flag up on the front of the green. Yeah. Um it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was crazy, but that whole week was crazy. Uh, obviously, I was not the only one who had golf balls covered in mud all week. Everybody did. It was nuts, and, 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 and I never hit so many golf balls in the dark as far as getting warmed up uh, in the morning and at night. All right, when you were standing over the putt on 18th at the Bob Hope for 59, were you thinking more about the number or more about winning that golf tournament? More about the number, for sure. I uh, I felt like even kind of playing the last hole, that I'll have more chances to win golf tournaments. I might not ever have a chance to break 60 again. And so it was more about it. When I was on the over the last putt, I actually didn't look at the putt while Bob Tway and Jeff Maggart finished out and kind of cleared the way. Um, but my, my, my big thought was uh, be decisive. You know, get your read and go and hit it. You know, just go through your routine and, and, and hit it. Don't, don't over 
analyze this. Don't look at it too much. Just do it. Is that the most stressed you've ever been over a putt? No, the most stressed uh, I was ever over a putt was probably on the green before that. <laughs> um, I watched – yeah, actually, I watched uh, – it was, I believe it was Bob Tway. We both hit it on a very similar, in a very similar spot to the right of the hole, bar three. I was maybe say 20 feet, something like that, 22 feet. And he was just maybe three feet further away than I was. And it was going down to that kind of little, you know, drainage river ditch thing that they have there. And, uh, I watched him roll his putt a good five feet by. So I knew how fast it was. And I still knocked it at least three or four feet by. So the one coming back was the most stressful putt because I knew if I didn't make that, I didn't have a chance to break six. Yeah, then you cashed that and, of course, cashed the one at 18. It was, was really fun. I actually had Mike Tarico on, and I asked him about the call. It's a very, very simple call he had, but it was so great. You know, greatest final round in golf history. i got a couple more for you, and I'll let you go. I know you right. got to run. First is, have you ever worn that 1999 Sunday Ryder Cup shirt again? I uh, I have not. No. <laughs> <laughs> where is it? Do you know? Do you know where it is? It is packed away in some uh, memorabilia stuff. Yep. And then my other question is: we we'll look back at the PGA one last time. Uh, final group. I'm not going to ask you who wins because I think that's too hard to pick at this point in golf. But your dream final pairing on Sunday evening would be. I, if it, I would, I would say uh, Rory and Jordan. I, I think you see a guy who hit it eight miles. Yep, and you see a guy who hits it plenty far, but you see entirely kind of different approaches to the game. Uh, you see more of a, a tactician versus kind of a virtuoso and Rory and a, a majestic golf swing. I think that I think that would be fascinating. I have a. I really think Rory wants that too. I think Rory wants to beat Jordan at a major. It's you know I, I think. I think the Masters last year has kind of haunted him a bit. I almost feel like Rory wants to see him again. You know how you know boxers want to see a guy in the ring. I think uh, I think Rory right. wants to see Jordan Spieth in those types of moments. It's a little bit like you know you and Tiger. Everybody wanted to see that. They wanted to see Phil and Tiger down the stretch in a major championship. And I think sure. this generation, it's it's Rory and Spieth. Those are the two guys people really really want to see. I, I couldn't agree more. Those are the two that. Uh... I think I, I would like to see on Sunday, and I think everybody else would. Well, David, I appreciate the time. Good luck this week. Excited about it. It's the final major. I can't believe we're already here at the PJ Championship, but I appreciate uh, your time. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, have a nice week. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. Many thanks to David Duvall for jumping on with me for the clubhouse. I know he's got a lot going on this week. And that was fun to chat with him. He's a uh, he's a good guy. He's getting great at TV, too. He's just comp- continually improving week after week after week. So it's been fun to see that. Hope you guys have a great PGA Championship week. Make sure you check out our Clubhouse newsletter. Do it for two reasons. One, it helps you out with your golf news. That's what you need. Two, it has your TV times for this week, including the U.S. Women's Amateur, which I will be hosting down in San Diego. That will be on throughout the later parts of your evening on FS1 throughout this week. So once you get done watching the PGA Championship, you've got to flip right over to FS1 and you'll see us calling golf. It's going to be fun. There's a lot of big players that have already posted good scores so far earlier in this week. It's at San Diego Country Club, which is one of the better golf courses in Southern California. So it should be a lot of fun. So make sure you check that out. Set the DVR for FS1 starting on Wednesday. We get going Wednesday through Sunday, and then we go straight to Riviera for the U.S. Amateur. So a busy couple of weeks for all of us at Fox. 
Just a reminder to check out OGO. I told you about the Mutant Travel Bag. The Cirrus Sandbag is awesome. The Renegade Backpack is unbelievable. I can't travel without it. Check out all their products at OGO.com, O-G-I-O.com, and make sure you use that Clubhouse discount, the Clubhouse, no spaces. It'll save you 20% at checkout on anything you want. So if you want a backpack, 20% off. You want a travel bag, 20% off. It's like magic. It just disappears from your card. So go to OGO.com, throw that discount code in. I hope you guys have an unbelievable week. We'll be back next week to recap what I can only assume is going to be a great PGA Championship.